So hello and welcome to episode 35 of the Saladcast this season with myself, Glyn Price. Um, yeah, joined with uh, Ollie. First off, how are you, Ollie? Had a good week? Um, no, I'm suffering from a cold this weekend. Oh, um, so it was supposed to be a weekend where I was going to get loads of stuff done around the house. Um, all I've done really is watch a few movies, eat some biscuits and pastries and watch a football. Horrendous cold. It's not COVID. We've taken loads of tests, but it is a yeah. horrendous cold. Well, sitting around and eating pastries is almost the opposite of my weekend, and um, we, are, we will introduce my next guest, but, well, I will introduce him now. Um, Nick Jones, welcome to, welcome to the Saddlecast for the first time. Thank you very much. Very nice to speak to you both. Good, good. And the uh, reason we've got Nick on is that um, Nick and myself were two of the, the, the team that went and cycled to Milton Keynes um, on, on Friday and Saturday, 120 miles over, over 60 days. And we'll, we'll touch back on that in a minute, Nick, because, um, yeah, uh, sore legs and, and probably some sore voices as well from uh, some, of, some of the chat that was going on all weekend. But, um, yeah, I, I suppose um, that's why, why we thought it was a good weekend to get you on, really. But, um, yeah, as usual with new guests, Nick, we'll start with a bit of an interrogation of your Shrewsbury Town um, fandom. So, yeah, take us through it. First Shrewsbury Town game how did you start following uh, how did you start following the club wow well i will just say is you just said it took 60 days to get to milton Keynes, and actually <laughs> it probably did feel like it but it, it, it was 60 miles each day true true <laughs> sorry yeah, to pick you up on that one uh, no, it's all right. I, I need to be careful you can ask me some really tricky questions if i don't shut up are you uh yeah so <laughs> but, but early memories of the town really was from back in the game meadow when i was probably four or five years old playing with the leaves under the massive trees in, in an autumnal game. Uh, and, it, and I've looked at it, and I think it was around about 1976. You know, I, you know I'm not that old, really, but mm. I am. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was around about then. And, you know, we had Ian Atkins, Chick Bates, Colin Griffin, Jake King, the, the legend that's Graham Turner. What a team for a young lad. I didn't know really a massive amount about the game, really, at that point. But it was a big family occasion. Mum was a fan. Dad was a fan. Uncles used to come with us. Uh, and it was just tremendous, and, and you know, I've seen some great games there over the years. Uh, and really, once you've been in that environment and you're a supporter, you never really go away anywhere else, do you? No, you absolutely love it, don't you? So, yeah, you mentioned some pretty big Shrewsbury heroes there in the in introduction from Farrelly we going, but you've got to pick one, uh, Nick, and there's obviously lots of players that you've probably loved over the years, but who's the one player that stands out above everybody else for their contribution to the club or just someone you really loved? That's really hard, isn't it, to pick one from over the decades. And there's so many different players with different attributes. So if you're looking at people who are scoring goals and are exciting that get you off your seat, uh, you've got that sort of, even Sam Hastings, uh, and I know Sam's very active now, he's possibly going to listen to this, and his final product wasn't fantastic, but he'd get you off the seat because you never knew what was going to happen, did you? <laughs> <True>. <laughs> when, when he was good, he was, he was tremendous. Uh, and Mickey Brown, what a legend against Sir Mickey, and, and he's now comes to games as well. I see him sometimes, we have a little chat, but, and he's still so well respected. Um, and currently, you know, Super Sean, Sean Wally, what a servant mm-hmm. to the club with so many games, which this day and age is really quite rare, isn't it? Yep, yeah, no, true enough. Uh, so, go on, so, you've got so, to pick so, one, so, don't so, Nick. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll let you I, off. I uh, there we go. Yeah. That, that's three. Um, and then, yeah, go on. And you've obviously been to lots of games, even those uh, big cup, cup games in the 70s and 80s, I suppose. But yeah, come on, one game. Or, or are you going to give me a list again? Well, the, I think the one game that stands out more just because of the build-up, because um, it, we were underdogs, which we very often are, aren't we? We, we were walking to the game and seeing uh, the buses promoting the next game for the opponent's on the windscreens there, you know, put your coach to Wembley. Uh, it's got to be Berry away when it was a second oh, leg. Yeah. We were, we were, we were uh, already losing. I think in the first leg, was it Neil Ashton's own goal under this? Yep, 1-0. Uh, in the TV. 
1-0 and then the way that we came back and then the penalties right in front of us behind the away end and I was there Ethan oh, he was now 20 uh, I think crikey, he must have been about 8 then uh, it was just we were together at the start right behind the goals and then once once we'd actually won I don't know where we ended up but he was one side I was the other we were just it was right mental going on wasn't it um, arms and legs everywhere it was just crazy and you know we played each other after about 30-40 seconds but it just just it just was it encapsulated being a town fan Massive underdogs coming through, coming through, and and I think it was Kevin McIntyre scored the winner, did he? But it was tremendous. Mm. It was it was you know just one of them. There's so many good good memories over the years, and that's what keeps us coming back, isn't it? Because there's, yep. there's been a lot of dross as well, to be fair. Uh, and you're not, and you're certainly not a, a fair weather supporter if you're a town fan. You're not there to to see the success, but you're there because you're local and it's your club. And when the yep. players are playing for the shirt, there's nothing better to see. No, it's, we talk about that week in, week out, don't we, Ollie? And that's up there in your favourite games when we've talked about that sort of thing, haven't we, Ollie? So I think you'd agree with Nick on that one. Yeah, the the Berry Away is a very, very special game, isn't it? Um, one that yeah. will a lot of fans enjoy. So yeah, not surprised that one's in there. Yeah, and just before we move on, I suppose there's um you, you have got a role at the club, sort of uh, beyond being a fan uh, like the rest of us. But yeah, you, I, I don't know quite what the role is to describe it. Are you the, the trustee of the the Shrewsbury Community Team? I, yeah, I am one of the trustees of the Shrewsbury Community Charity. Uh, there are, I would think now, 12 of us all together. Uh, Howard Thorne is the chair, uh, who mm-hmm. was the MD of uh, Shopping Homes, massive supporters of the club, uh, sponsored lots over the years. Uh, I've, I've been a trustee now, I think it, this is my sixth year, um, but to see the development off the pitch on the community side have been absolutely fantastic. And however good or bad things are on the Saturday afternoon, so much more that goes on in and around the club than just the football, just on the Saturday. It's absolutely amazing to see, and they help so many people, and I'm proud to be involved. Hopefully, I'll keep adding value, but uh, you know, get involved with things and promote things and, and bring people in and signpost people that contact me online about certain things you know, to some of the programmes that we might help them with. Uh, and it's, it's just a tremendous thing to be involved with. It uh, nourishes your soul. It's great, and you're, you're signposting people in the right direction, Ollie. This is the reason why I ended up cycling to Milton Keynes over the last two days because there was a, an ad hoc Facebook message, I think, because I was talking about trying to get fit um, after COVID, and Nick was uh, pointing me in the direction of the event. So um, Nick, Nick's to blame for the pain I got in over the last two days. But um, it's funny because yeah, obviously... you, you told me you were cycled to Milton Keynes, but I was like, didn't know what you were doing. He didn't really explain it to me, and then I realised you were doing it with the um, Shrewsbury Town in the community, so which is great. And yeah, obviously, me and you. You know, I don't think there's too many people that you know kind of focus on Shrewsbury as much as me and you, Glenn. Obviously, the guys who support in the community do as well. But I, I just wonder if if enough fans know about the great work that the, in the community does. Um, and it's obviously a tough because you know to advertise it more would obviously cost money. Um, but yeah, it's it's fantastic what they do. And yeah, for those who go to the end of seasons awards, do sometimes get a bit of an insight what they do and what they do is just is fantastic. And yeah, there's a lot more depth than I think a lot of fans would realise. It's it's really difficult from the trustee perspective to try and spread that message because you know there are so many channels out there and there are so many uh, ways and social media uh, outlets and things. But really, there there's such a broad range of programs. It it would take absolutely far longer than you've ever got for a marketing message to be able to to get the message across about exactly what we do. You can go on the website and have a look and you and you can find it all now and and reach do a great job on the on the media side on the website. But it's really difficult to in, in a in a thirty second is an explanation of the charity. You just can't get it all in because they do do so much for so many people, uh, which is which is a nice problem to have. To be fair, it's yeah. not a one trick pony. Yeah. You know, there's so much going on. 
Yeah, because uh, we're, we're, we're constantly talking about how, how better to promote it. And it's awareness. And, and, and as you mentioned there, the, the end of, um, well, with the celebration uh, gala dinners that we do, that really does showcase different programs and, and different participants. And the people that come there that say, oh, my God, I never knew you did any of that. Or, you know, I knew the football stuff. I didn't know about this. Or I knew that and I didn't know that. It's, it's absolutely amazing, really, that, uh, that, that it is always still a secret. It's amazing. Yeah, it is strange. I remember going that game away against um, Ludlow, Glenn, and then I couldn't believe, I didn't realise the, the community stretched that far out. And there's so many kids, and they, they do to benefit the whole county. And yeah, we could, I'm sure we could talk about this for hours, not to cut it short, but yeah, it's a great piece of work you do. And if you want to know more, definitely follow the guys, uh, the Twitter account, and have a look at their website. The work that they do is absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. And I'm sure Jamie Edwards, the chief executive, would come on your show. Yeah. If you've not been on before, yeah, yeah, maybe we should do it in the summer, Glenn, shouldn't we? When we um, when we yeah. have some of the summer pods, we can do transfers and stuff, and maybe have a have him on and have a bit of an update what the, what the guys are doing. I think that's good. I, I've tried to, I've spoken to Jamie loads of times about getting coming on the podcast. It's just one of those things we've never got quite round to organising. But yeah, this summer might be a really nice time to do it. Maybe get Nick on as well to, to kind of join in. But yeah, let's certainly put back that in the agenda, Ollie. We'll have a think about it over the summer. But yeah, in terms of raising money for all these great programmes, yeah, that was what um, Biking to Milton Keynes was all about, wasn't it, Nick? And I think um, latest count were over 7,500 between everybody that did it. I think it was 15, 16 people from, from people from all bits of the stadium um, and, and their relatives as well, which was nice and probably just worth reflecting on quite how hard it was personally before we get into the game but yeah it's definitely one of the hardest things I've ever done um so first day we went from um Shrewsbury through Ironbridge sort of across to the West Midlands and had a, a hotel just south I think it was Leamington Spa and we, the wind and rain kept off the first day didn't it Nick it was a couple of difficult hills but um yeah we we all yeah. we all got there in the end didn't we I don't know what stood out to you on day one uh you, you're right yeah and it was, it was an interesting route and I think even just coming through, coming out of Coldport, so we've just gone through Ironbridge, quick photo opportunity oh, yeah. by the bridge itself, a breather. And then there's this small little hill. You, you're coming along by the seven, it's absolutely perfect. And then you turn left and go up a bank and you're like, oh, my word, what's going on here? And he's just sort of shocked to the system. <laughs> and I was thinking then, oh, it, there's much more of this throughout the rest of the day, never mind the next day. And I don't know if I was going to cope with it, really. It, it just was an eye-opener. Um, but the camaraderie was brilliant. The... Um, the way that the more experienced riders kind of looked out for people like Glenn and I, dare I say, Glenn, uh, just to no, make sure fair. we were all, in, all, all together, all, all kind of had enough food and drink, all had the regular breaks that we needed, although they weren't that regular, because we had to keep going. But the weather was quite kind, as long as you had gloves for the wind, because a bit of wind was now on, on the Friday. Yeah. Um, and, and the roads are interesting, so you're, kind of, you're, you're trying to go with it as fast as you can, but you're also trying not to kill yourself on a pothole. Yeah, they were, especially that I almost came off on the second day uh, and, and I would have probably broken into a million pieces if I had done but yeah so yeah it was nice got to the hotel and, and to be fair the, the whole thing actually going back to community team was so well organised Ollie you know we obviously had tickets to the game but we had a really nice two course meal in this hotel so everyone was chatting a couple of, a couple of pints were shared it was a really really nice vibe in the evening and I'm not uh, I'm not ashamed enough to admit Ollie I was the first one up to bed due to <laughs> extreme fatigue um, and they were shouting there's no shame Glenn as I, as I left the pub uh, that we were in so um, yeah I was off to bed early doors and um, it saved me powder for the next day and then got up pretty early didn't we the next day Nick it was frost on the ground as we left for day two to, to follow I don't know the M40 and then the HS2 route down to Silverstone and then across to um, across to Milton Keynes and um, yeah it was a, definitely a colder start wasn't it on the second day it was yeah so the white frost that greeted us was a bit of a shock to the system really because the hotel had been piping hot and, and everybody would be moaning about how warm their rooms were really um, and then people that were bunking up with people uh, share, sharing the uh, 
the lack of sleep and the snoring generally. Uh, I, I thought ahead actually, and, and having done this sort of thing before, I booked my own room because I didn't want to subject anybody else to my snoring, and I didn't want to be the one kept awake by somebody else either. Because I knew we were going to need every every sort of second of sleep that we could get to to cope on the Saturday. So uh, yeah, that was good. But but you know, the breakfast was was early. I, I think I was, I was first in the bar on the Friday, and I was first to breakfast on the Saturday. I'm quite proud of that. Uh, but what well, what was nice was that um, the the guys organising Millie and Jamie that were trying to work out well, okay what's the what's the road conditions going to be like. We wanted to leave early because it, we'd we'd um, arrived at Solihull at four thirty on the Friday, um, and that was leaving the stadium what just after nine o'clock. So if we left at nine o'clock on the Saturday and we had the same amount of distance to travel, we never would have made the game. So we had to go never. earlier than we'd been on the Friday. But then we, we couldn't go too early because it could have still been icy on the roads. So it was a bit of a catch-22. But it all worked out all right in the end. It was quite dry and you know, hadn't been wet and ice and things. So, yeah, we were OK. But you're right, the, the, the HS2 uh, parts were interesting. We had a massive carbon in the in the land, which was a quick bit sad to see. And the state of the roads, these massive machineries make. So uh, some, sometimes they were roads, sometimes they were just holes, and sometimes a bit of both, isn't it? Yeah, it was. And yeah, there we go. We, I think we got to Silverstone. There was a big climb. They told me there's one last climb, Glenn, which was partially true. Um, I eventually ground my way up to the top of that, Ollie, uh, probably the slowest of everybody. But when we got to the top, it was nice. It was like a, 10 miles was a bit easier all the way down. But we got to the edge of Milton Keynes, me, Nick, and a couple of uh, other guys were at the back. And you, you know, you think, I've cycled to Milton Keynes now. I've done it. Forgetting the stadiums in the south of Milton Keynes. It's another four miles away. And I, I was broken through Milton Keynes, up and down through these underpasses. There was a little public right away close we were supposed to follow. So we had a little diversion event. Actually, rounded the corner, saw the stadium, and the, and the other quicker guys had been there about 20 minutes. They clapped us in, got given a cookie, um, and then yeah, took a few photos. The the hotel at the stadium let us go in and have a shower there, which was funny because it was a hotel room overlooking the pitch. We were quite tempted to sort of have a quick shower, um, try and Jimmy open the door and, and stand there and watch it. Um, but no, we, we eventually got round and we chucked bags in the back of the car and we got in uh, one minute before kickoff. Uh, sorry, one minute after kickoff, Ollie. So we missed the first minute, um, but I'm pretty sure nothing exciting happened during that minute. So yeah, that was our that was our trip down there and it was uh yeah it was definitely one of the most difficult things i've done ollie and um yeah you need to do it with us next time i'm convinced you're 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 next to join us ollie no thanks i gave you some <laughs> money that's my that's my contribution i'm not cycling like i do runs and stuff that's fair enough but not cycling not for me i think i think that's why we've been so well well supported because people kind of pay us so they haven't got to do it themselves I've got a lot of colleagues in, in the, the financial services industry that love sponsoring you because they, they then feel less guilty about not getting involved. And, uh, and, and I've never been so pleased to see an away ground, ever, ever. Yeah. It was just when we came around that one corner and looked to the left, and there it was. And it's quite a spectacular sight, to, to be fair. But it was just, oh, my God. And then, as you say, with being clapped in, I, I was in tears. I don't know about you. God, probably, probably not. Yeah, it was, not it was really good. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was, it was tears because my feet had stopped working, Nick. <laughs> no, I, I would, I would totally agree with that. And, and the thing is, you know, they do this every year, and they've been to like Barnsley and more difficult ones. But you know, I'm not a cyclist. I only really started training for it at the start of the year. And so, you know, if anyone, the, the whole thing was great. Meeting new town fans, you know, can mention a few people I met for the first time, Lewis and Russ, and obviously I knew Nick before, but a few other people. Um, I'll, I'll see it at the ground now. So yeah, next year if you if you fancy it and it's a reasonably good one, you know, use me as an example to do it. I would say, um, Ollie, I don't think we're going to convince you, but I'm sure there are others out there that'll probably um, end up doing it off the back of this, hopefully, and uh, race some more money next year so yeah I suppose that's that's where to leave it really because that leads us into the game Ollie um, we pitched up I had a very red face when I came into the stadium <laughs> sat down in my seat and uh, yeah the game commenced so we'll move on now to looking at um, Milton Keynes 2 Shrewsbury Town 0 Sloppy clearance ball passing around to Mackenzie 
And they scored a goal in the first half, goal in the second half. Obviously, Shrewsbury didn't score. Attendance was just shy of, of 9,000 and a, a really good um, town following about 500. So, I'm interested to get your opinion on that, guys, because I wasn't there, but I watched the game as, as, I, as I do at the moment. So, the Shrewsbury Town lineup was the team that everyone expected. Um, the kind of the classic um, 3 5 2 with Morosi, Pennington, Ebanks, and Flamingham. And Bennett and Nurse as wing backs, and then a midfield trio of Vela, Fornow, and Leahy with Bowman and a Doe up front. Um, so Glenn, you'd 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 got into the ground. You were probably quite hot, and you sat down and you saw the team sheet. Probably the first time you probably really saw the team actually. Because imagine you were rushing so much when you saw the players out on the pitch. Was it the team that you expected? Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't seen what pick team we picked. We were obviously getting up the last bit of the mile to the stadium when the team was announced. But um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't really expecting there to be too many changes. Obviously, Bloxham's had a few chances in the last few weeks, but probably not done enough to be, you know, saying he should start ahead of Bowman and Ado with the goals they've scored. So, wasn't really a surprise, I guess. Um, I think the surprise for me and Nick, I'll throw it to him, was when we got in there. It was, you know, we were going to a team that, as you just said, then are on an amazing run, are pushing for promotion. And they they do have a big stadium, but it was just empty. It's always empty when we go there, isn't it? But like, I I don't know. I, I maybe I'm overestimating how many people in Milton Keynes want to watch football, Nick. But it, it looked so sparse for a team pushing at the right end of the table, didn't it? And there was there was less than ten thousand there, so it was uh yeah, it looked really really, really empty, didn't it, Nick? I think you're right. I think when when we were dashing to get changed and ready to come come down, looking through the hotel uh, windows, you know, loving look over the pitch and things, which is brilliant, but. Mm. There seemed at that point, and that was like ten minutes before kickoff. There seemed about three hundred people. We couldn't couldn't see the ones down beneath us on the same side, but there was hardly anybody there. And only when we actually came in, and everyone must have filtered right in the last minute, did it seem anything like it was going to for the rest of the game. But uh, the, the whole upper tier being closed makes a massive difference, obviously. Uh, and there were just big sections that were really sparse. This town, town fans covered the away part quite well. Uh, the seat where you like was quite welcome because then you could go and sit with friends or go and stand if you needed to stand because you didn't want to sit down. You've been riding for the last six hours, <laughs> but, but it was it was yeah it was weird. It was just, just very strange. The comfiest seats I think we've ever had in in an away stadium possibly. Uh, so you know that that's and, and lots of room around leg room and things again, which was welcome after after how we, how yeah. we got there. But yeah, it's just it was a weird, a really weird atmosphere, and only really occasionally did you hear the behind the goal the opposition fans shout much, really. You know, and the, these guys, as you say, they're on the up and they're what third from top and they're chasing promotion. So if mm-hmm. that's as excited as they get. Crikey. <laughs> yeah, they won as well. Even when they even when they scored, it wasn't that loud. And it's but I think Ollie, you've been to MK Dons, haven't you? Over the years, the new, new yeah. stadium it is never a good atmosphere. There is it, so it's not a surprise. But you know, I don't think we've been there when they've been doing as well. I thought it might have just brought some people out of because it's such a big place, Milton Keynes, and I can attest for that, having cycled across it. But um, you know, you would think there's some latent fan base there. It's the whole reason they moved there. But um, yeah, it's clearly clearly not quite happening for them. No, it's not. They obviously need to do a lot more work in the community to get their their kids yeah. um, going more. But yeah, it's a. Let's not talk about the history of, of MK, but um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's yeah it's, it's, it is surprising. You'd expect a bit higher numbers than that, um, but yeah, first half, first half was fairly even. I thought I thought we were quite unlucky yeah. to be one nil down at half time. Um, probably the the game was played for the first five ten minutes in their half. Um, so you're probably quite pleased, Glenn. Obviously, you, you put all that effort in, you got there. Um, and Shrewsbury started all right. We're playing the ball in their half, um, but I think it's fair to say the first real chance came to a an, um, a Milton Keynes player. Um, basically, a really good shot, um, but saved by Morosi onto the post after some very very tired at play um, play building up from the back. 
Um, but then not long after Shrewdy had their chance, um, Bowman um, could have squared it and passed up to a doe, um, but he doesn't. He's a bit selfish. Um, and it, yeah, he he doesn't score. Um, I'm not sure if that was in front of you, Glenn, or if you were at the other end, um, but I thought that was a, a wasted opportunity. Yeah, that was down the other end. Um, so yeah, that first chance that Morosi saved, we were right behind that. That was at our end. Um, I'll, I'll come to Nick on that one because that was a great save from where we were. We were say right behind the shot sort of thing. Um, but yeah, the Bowman one was the one that kind of was the most frustrating because it genuinely, it literally was the attack just before they countered and scored their first goal. Um, and you know, Bowman's had a little bit of a, a thing where he's been fine passing it to a doe sometimes, and they they seem alright. And then on Saturday, he just didn't seem like he was really keen to pass it. I think he's keen to kind of catch him in goals, and it's a shame because it was definitely a performance in the first stuff where if we'd scored first or even got back level you know the game was definitely on um and that that was a big moment but um yeah before we get to the goal nick it, with that shot that morosi saved really early on was absolutely fantastic it was one of the sort of the first things we saw when we got in there and it was it was great being right behind the shot because you could just see how quick he moves to get down to it oh absolutely yeah it, you know it's a great shot to be fair he was low and in the corner wasn't it and he got a big hand on it not enough to stop it but enough to flick it up onto the post it was uh it was, it was great yeah i say you get a special special view being right behind so you appreciate it even more how quick it was coming at him and uh, and how much he, he had to, he had to really do to get there but uh yeah he, he kept us in it right early on with that great save but, but he's good throughout wasn't he but yeah that was a, a great yeah. he, he was he was up and ready right from the start so you right and, and yeah. they and then their chance or our chance sorry where Bowman didn't find Udo there was a, a few instances throughout really that we just made the wrong choice or things didn't quite come off other days they'll come off or, you know, it'll, it'll just happen or it'll be man off someone's knee and then someone's in on goal or something. But it just was one of those games when it wasn't quite happening. Yeah, I think that that, that chance before they scored, Ollie, was a bit kind of symptomatic of the game, wasn't it, really, when you look back on it, of just kind yeah. of not the right decisions at the right times, like Nick just said there. So, um, yeah, unfortunate because we did play well in that first 20 minutes. I thought we played well after they scored as well, actually. But, um, yeah, 18 minutes, obviously, game changes a little bit when they get their, their, their first goal, doesn't it, Ollie? Yeah, so... Um... So yeah, it's, it was frustrating, um, but I have to say this goal from MK Dons was absolutely sublime. Class. It was, in terms of like technical ability and coaching, um, it was absolutely amazing. Um, so a ball from midfield, from defence, some splits our midfield line. And then another pass from Twine basically, basically creates a, a through ball breaking our defensive line. And then Moise is in the box in, into the back of the net. And that description doesn't do justice. It was an absolutely amazing goal. Um, and one, I'm sure that their, their coaching staff will be salivating um, as they analyse this game. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think sometimes you know you see you see people saying, "Oh, we look, we look very static on that attack." Um, so I put that on the agenda, but I'm not actually criticising being static because it was two absolutely perfect passes through us, and you know we were where we were. They just they, there was a little bit of a gap. They played it through two gaps, and it was just pure. You could watch a Premier League game, passing. Glenn, yeah. and you would not see two passes consecutively as good as that. No, you could watch. No. I could say you could watch weeks and weeks and weeks of Premier League football, and you wouldn't see two passes together like that. It was amazing. I, 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 I would say now. I think MK, MK, one of the best teams we've seen this season. Um, they're absolutely phenomenal. I thought in, in terms of their passing, attacking play, um, and the they're, things. They're very is, com- comfortable on the ball, aren't they? Yeah, very, very, very comfortable. comfortable. We, you know, however much we tried to press, they would always be an outlet late ball, and they, they'd be mm. ready for us to be coming in, and they always had time. I think I thought my, my feeling with the goal. Yeah, it was great to get the ball to Issa in the first place. A couple of good good passes there, but I thought perhaps we could have defended it a little better on the one-on-one with him. 
uh, it seemed a little that we kind of let it, we, we, we dropped off him a little bit too much, um, or there was a slight stumble just as we were approaching him. I think you know whether it was uh, Ethan at the back, but it, it just it just we just didn't quite get tight enough, and he, he did. Uh, I don't I don't I don't agree at all. Found it in the corner. Found it was, it in the corner. But yeah, I don't agree I, with that I, at all. I'd wanted I'd wanted to hit him. It was too fast. It was just too good. It was too fast. He had no chance. Yeah, Marisa was making the run. Yeah, Marisa yeah. was making the run. Ebanks like was was not far off, but the pass was so good. It was in his stride, so he didn't right. stop at all. Um, and it was just an amazing finish as well. So I think it was just one of those things. It was it was a good goal. Um, me and Glenn will will easily, won't we? We'll definitely fault the defenders if we think we're at fault. But I I, I personally can't do this, and this one. Don't worry about you, Glenn. Yeah, I, I kind of half agree with it. I, 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 you want someone just going to clog him, but he's quick, isn't he? He's the good Issa brother. And to be fair, that finish was really good as well. You take away the two passes before it, but it was just, you know, Morosi's cut off the angle. He does as much as he can, and he just sort of plays it hard and low and makes it as hard a save as he possibly can. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I thought the defence were generally good on Saturday, um, so it's a bit unfortunate to concede two. But, um, yeah, you know, it, these things happen. It, they, they, they are a bit of class, and they, they showed it at the times in the game when they needed to, didn't they? So, um, But, you know, let's be fair, Town didn't wilt away in that first half we were definitely the good half for us I think we um, continued to press where we could and, and we had some nice little moments with the ball I know they dominated possession but we looked like you know usual kind of counter-attacks we might be able to put something together with energy from the three in midfield and um, I wasn't too critical about that first half as it went on um, there was a couple more chances wasn't there all yeah there was there was a uh, MK Don to try and play that ball out the back they tried to do a dink down the channel but Flanagan read it really well, chests the ball, falls to Nerf, who crosses to a doe, who does an absolutely ridiculous volley. Um, unbelievable shot. And that was an amazing save from Cummings. Um, and then just before that, we took a, free, a quick free kick. Um, a doe charges forward on the right, cuts into high, passes to Nurse to Leahy and fi- fires over. And Glynn, that was two really, really good bits of play. Um, and, you know... Nurse didn't score, but I thought he's his all round play in this first half was was absolutely brilliant. And final comment that coming save, I think that for me was the key moment in the game. I think if we'd got a goal at half time, we could have maybe have done something in the second half. And I think not to get a goal after playing so well, um, I think that was a, a key moment for me. I agree with you, Ollie. Really, um, say that we did have some good chances that we created. Uh, and another day we could have scored a couple quite quite easily, really. Uh, and and the goals change games, as they say. Uh, the pundits very much uh, would be right, really, isn't it? So so they, I think they were quite happy to come in at, at one 0 Yeah, I totally agree with both of you. Sorry, I was going to talk and I was on mute. There's the perils of recording a podcast, guys. Um, but um, yeah, I felt at half time we were unlucky to be behind and unlucky. Certainly should have got at least one goal. The 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 Leahy miss looked really bad from where we were because it was down the other end and it looked like he he had a better chance there. But um, the the weirdest one was that save you were just talking about, Ollie, because it was down the other end. Their goalkeeper wasn't in like a high visibility colours like Morosi in his orange shirt. He had like a green shirt on and it almost melded into kind of the greyer, darker seats and and the fans that were behind the goal. So when we had that shot, it looked like it was going in. Couldn't really see where the keeper was. And then suddenly it just like bounced wide of goal. And we were like, how's, how's that not gone in? But they, obviously I watched it back and the keeper made a really good save, didn't he? So, um, yeah, town fans were a bit frustrated. But I think everyone was quite encouraged at halftime. It was a fairly good spirit amongst the fan base at how we played there. You know, we thought if we kept going, there was still a chance of getting a draw and that would have been a, a fine result. But um, generally, you know, 
considering we're one 0 down, it was one of the deep, more decent halves of football we've had this season, continuing the pattern of those good results before, I suppose. And um, yeah, I, I wasn't too too upset with the first half really. Having said that, my concentration levels were quite low at this game, Ollie, as my my brain was se- seizing up from from everything else as well. I think so. Um, but yeah, for me, that's that's how I felt. Um, but I have I do have one admission, Ollie, here as. Uh, as I'm gonna to have to mention it, and you probably would have mentioned it. Obviously, I have my B team boycott of the of the pizza trophy, the Papa John's trophy, don't I? But I have to say, Milton Keynes were selling little mini Papa John's pizzas for a fiver at halftime. I thought I'll I'll put I have to put some money into the company, Ollie, because I was starving, and um, I give them give a good sort of eight out of ten on that. It was a nice little thing to have at halftime, and I brought one, took it back to where all the cyclists were, um, and then Nick went off and got one for his son, and a few other people went and got one. So yeah, unfortunately, we put a lot of money into Papa John's on Saturday halftime, Ollie, but we're, needs must, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just funny we haven't mentioned that. I'm sure you've noticed, Glenn, there's a few um, accounts that are sharing football scran, football food. Um, yeah. And yeah, the pizzas yes, look pretty good. And there's a lot of good stuff going on around other clubs. It's, um, yeah, puts our, our catering to shame, so we need to improve. And, but um, yeah, it's good to see you enjoy the pizza, Glenn. And I think, you know, after cycling 200 miles, I think we can let you off, uh, let you off this once. Did, did you I, have I a think, slice I of your think... sons, Nick? Uh, no, I didn't have any of Zane's. No, I, I actually bought one for myself and my father-in-law, so I bought three. <laughs> oh, there you go. But, uh, Happy days. but to be fair, I, I think I think Lewington is, is sponsored by Papa John's as well, isn't he? He's, he's uh, got yeah. a bit of middle-aged bread going on there. Oh, yeah, I see. We, we were talking about how he's had his longevity over the years, haven't we, Ollie? And st- I think we were talking about it on the podcast maybe two, three seasons ago. And he's still starting from every single, every single yeah, week. He's, he's doing well. He's got massive longevity. It's so um, so unusual at this level, isn't it? It is, yeah. really. It is. He's got the, the middle aged bread going on as well, bless him. And, you know, as a fellow uh, middle aged person, <laughs> I, I, I understand totally how difficult that could be to, to remove that or reduce it. But uh, no, he, and, he, and he played, uh, he read the game really well, didn't he? So. So his uh, fitness or lack yeah. of didn't really make any difference. We didn't get anywhere near him. No, in terms of talking of yeah, um, middle-aged spread and players getting a bit older, um, I'm not sure if this is age or just a bit of bad luck, um, but Ebanks got a knee injury. Um, mm. So we had to come off at half-time and we switched to a, a 4-3-3. And yeah, second half was not good, um, not good at all. Um, MK Dons played at a very calm pace. I'm sure there were several gears they could have gone up to if they wanted to. Um, and they kind of dominated this half without really trying too hard, I'd say. Um, there was a pen claim where Flanagan looked like he took down Kessler. I thought, actually, that was a penalty, Glenn. I'm not sure your view on that one. I just want to say one thing on that. It's so interesting. We got we went on the way back um, after Nick had done his media duties. He went around to speak to Stuart Dunn about everything and try and rattle a bit more money for the for the cause. Um, we were waiting in the van and uh, there was a guy called uh, Russ on the bike ride with us. Really, really nice chap. And um, and uh, he said the same thing. He thought that um, that they had more gears to go through, which was interesting. Um, so yeah, there's exactly the same terminology, Ollie. Um, and I think that's probably was showed showed second half. We were good first half, um, but you know I think as the half as the half went on, the second half they showed just how much control and and how kind of easy they could play through us at times. They didn't take all their chances, which was good, but uh, definitely showed us you know the better side of Milton Keynes. I think second half and and why they are third. I think and um, yeah, they were impressive second half, weren't they? Nick? Yeah, they were. As you say, quite rightly, they 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 eased a little. Uh, we didn't do much more. I think we we almost punched ourselves out in the first half, missed the chances, uh, and then when they had the goal, uh, the second goal, which was no doubt we'll talk about it in a minute. That that really was the end of the game. Really. Yeah, it was. Um, yes, they gave they gave the ball away. Lee then loses the ball, and Fauna wins the ball, but then he gets fouled. Um, but he goes down. But but they play on. Uh, the referee, I think, made a mistake there. And then they cross the ball into the, into into the box. There was plenty of town players, so you know you can't, you know, the foul didn't 
didn't stop us having the opportunity to defend it, if that makes sense. Um, but we didn't defend it. Um, a good shot from close distance. Keeper had no chance. Um, I thought it was a foul. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it was going to change the result of the game, Glenn. Again, that's something someone else said on the way back on the bus, I think. I don't think it would have affected the result. Um, maybe, you know, maybe if we'd have got, got a goal back after that and got 1-1, you, you never know, do you? But I think they, they were pushing enough to get it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I looked at the goal back on, on the telly, obviously, having been there on the day, and it is interesting that they just pass it like three across the edge of the box, don't they? And none of the defenders really want to come out because I think normally they would be expecting, um, it was Fauna that got injured, wasn't it, to maybe be there and be the one harrying them. So maybe it did have a little bit of effect on the goal. Either way, they played it really sensibly and the guy that shot it, it just hit it hard and low. Morosi was never going to save that um but yeah I can un- I can understand Nick why Cottrell will be annoyed about that because we've had plenty of situations this season where we've had breaks or attacks that are just stopped because someone's gone down not even a head injury so you, you like to think these things balance out over the cross across the course of a season don't you but it was it was a bit annoying for the fans there on the day wasn't it oh it was yeah whether it's the fact that he didn't stop the game because uh Fauna was injured or the fact that it was a foul in the first place you know I, I was adamant it was a foul so Regardless of whether he's down because he's injured or not, it should have been stopped because it was a foul on him. It seems you know he he played the ball, the guy took him out, and that's a free kick in my book. So that that, that wouldn't have all the rest of it didn't really matter on that point. It should have been stopped. If you watch the highlights back, Nick, I'm not sure if you have done today. As soon as Fauna goes down, the referee is making very large arm gesticulations of get up. That's not a foul. So it, right. it, I think it might have been a foul. Ollie sounds like he does, and you do as well. Yeah, but I was chatting to. Yeah, it's chatting yeah. to. Um, a really nice guy called Ram, um, who a few people might know, um, who's a football analyst, um, and he he thought it's a foul as well, and he he's got a big soft spot for MK Dons, um, so yeah, he thought it's a foul as well. Um, but yeah, it was a soft one, um, and you know if it had given against us, I don't think we'd be um, yeah, it's just one of those things. It was unfortunate, but we're not going to moan. I don't think we'll moan about it too much. No, it was yeah. I mean, that was fifty-four minutes, but not not really too much seemed to happen between then and the end of the game. There was obviously a huge miss at the end for us, but we'll cover cover some of these moments. But for me, it just was a bit of a an easy finish then once they went two 0 up, as Nick just said before. And um, yeah, it was just it was it was a bit of a, a slow watch, and um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't the most entertaining second half for, for those of us that were there, Ollie. No, it wasn't a particularly good second half from a Salah perspective. Um, there was a there was a pen claim when the ball hit Leahy's arm, but I thought that was far too close. I didn't know if they chance there they scored again but it was it was offside and then there was a pen claim um, in, in with Bennett but he player tripped over his own leg and Bennett gave him a mouthful which was quite funny um, and then there was two more kind of comments to mention it's where Daniels um, gets the ball from Bowman he crosses the ball into the into the into the box but I mean it was an absolutely amazing defending fending from the um, from the MK Dons player who basically stops the ball going into the back of the net. Um, yeah, Jenna was really close to him, but for me, it was an amazing bit of defending. Um, and I think it's just worth, you know, worth saying, <coughs> Daniels' cross was absolutely amazing, and it was absolutely perfect weighted. Um, so, yeah, interesting moment. We have a debate here, I reckon, because we were behind that goal. Nick, do you think that Janai missed that and the defender didn't get a touch in it? Because on the day, looking at it, I genuinely think that's a miss, Ollie. But I don't know. I, I think we talked about it on the way back, Nick. But I think it was just a straight up miss. I don't think the defender did 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 that, did anything on it. But I don't know. What I, do you I, say, Nick? I can't remember. I thought the defender got there just in front, just Oof. in front. But as you say, it was a goal in front of us, and it was very close. And uh, and if it was a miss, it was you know he just got there and. Maybe the defender put him off enough that he, that he didn't have a clean strike on it. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was funny one, and it came across that quick, didn't it? And I say tremendous cross. Mm. It was on the button. You wouldn't, you couldn't cross it any better. 
just want someone on the end of it, and then it looked like the defender had got there just in front of it for me. But like you're saying before, if, if the second goal hadn't been given, or whatever, whether it's a free kick or they stopped playing, um, and then we had those couple of chances late on, even if MK had been cruising along, you know, that could have been a draw, that could have, that could have been a win. Mm. If we were somewhere mm. needing the points, we would be far less uh, philosophical about the outcome, I think. It, and the half-time sub was interesting, you know, obviously Pennington, uh, Pennington, um, Ebanks had a knee injury, which we didn't know at half-time, it was, and it was a tactical reshuffle, wasn't it, Ollie, like you talked about, but um, it also felt a little bit like, you know, Janahai's out of contract, Bristol City, isn't he, and it was a chance to have another look at him. Uh, you know, it's it's very difficult for us to write players off, Ollie, but he's incredibly weak, and I think we, we talked to a few of the lads who were there, and it was almost like, he's like, you know, first year of Doe, he's just very raw, he's not got that physicality yeah. that a Doe's developed, um, doesn't really have that match awareness that you come from having played 100 games at this level and um, you know maybe it'll come Nick but you know there was a few people kind of saying that you know if that was another kind of audition for maybe a contract next season you know would would you be giving it him I'm not I'm not too sure well he's good he's got promise as you say and if he is a younger doe that's mm. not a bad prospect to have is it and, and presumably I mean I don't know but I, I wouldn't imagine he's earning big money so if we've got money in the squad uh, and we need players uh, he's not going to be an expensive person to hopefully try and nurture because we could have quite easily thought the same about Daniel a couple of years ago, maybe. I don't think we've seen enough of him to know. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, it'd be interesting to see whether whether he goes, uh, whether he stays. I, I imagine he'll go back to, to Bristol City, but who knows? He hasn't played. He's like, you know, he hasn't seen enough of him, but I think we've seen from Cotchard, if the player's good enough to do something, um, he'll play, um, and he hasn't played. That's fair. We we haven't really have an, an embarrassment of riches as far as the squad, have we? So no, and that's and that's where we can talk about actually maybe just quickly talk about Bonswell, who's gone back on loan, have gone back to Newcastle and hasn't played. And I saw there's a few comments from the Newcastle press saying it was a bizarre loan, but you know Steve Cottrell loves winning and he's going to play players he thinks are going to basically help him win. And if you don't play, um, as we saw some other loan players. It's because you're not good enough. Where you get four now, he plays all the time. Uh, but he's not, and also Cottrell is not afraid to play young players. So you know, Nurse, four now, blocks him are young. So I know I saw there's a few criticisms maybe of Cottrell from this loan, but I get the sense now knowing Cottrell a bit better from all these press interviews and stuff. He wants to win so much. If someone isn't good enough, they're not going to start, and would rather play someone out of position potentially or shuffle things around and um, to to fill a hole like he did um, in the recent weeks. Yes, it also, say about Cottrell, you know, he's, he wants to win, but also, not that long ago, his job's on the line. People calling out, mm-hmm. quite quite understandably, you know, a lot of people disgruntled and, and wondering where we were really going, because it wasn't looking great. It's not that long back that uh, you know, we would have been crying out to be where we are now in the league. So it's, uh, it's just fascinating how uh, you want to have the steady team, you want to have the squad that's settled and things. You need to, to have some young talent having opportunities, uh, but the, the bench has been um, really filled or supplemented by the young guys coming from the academy, which is brilliant to see. But they're not going to be match ready, are they? You, know, you, you want them to have a go. You want them to, yeah. But we haven't had the luxury of, of being comfortable enough to, to allow that to happen, really. I, I was quite pleased, Ollie, on Bondswell that you know one of my rare, rare accurate calls. I predicted when he signed he in January, didn't know that late move. He was never going to play a minute for Shrewsbury Town 
pretty bold, um, or maybe not, I suppose, on the, on the principle of what, what was done in that don't do. Yeah, never played a minute for Shrewsbury Town. Having said that, Bonswell's got something positive to look at, hasn't he, in that the last player to come to the football club on loan and not play a single minute for Shrewsbury is now an international for Wales, um, plays for one of the biggest clubs <laughs> in the country, I suppose, in Leeds, and has done pretty well. So yeah, maybe his career's not over from getting a shunt at Shrewsbury Town. So, yeah, look at the positives for the young lad. I'm sure he's got a long way to go. Yeah, obviously you, do, obviously you don't wish him well or anything, Glenn, but it was, yeah, it must have been a nice moment for you that you got, yeah, you got that, that call. Right. <laughs> oh no no! I I'd, I'd like to have played. It would have been good to see some new players and stuff. But no, I just you just had the feeling of a, yeah, of, a yeah. of a stop gap, didn't it? On the off yeah. chance it was needed. And, and I both think, and again, like, you know, we will criticise Cottrell, and we will also will praise him like we did last week, and you know, on his tactics and stuff. Um, if your player isn't good enough, or hasn't got the right attitude, um, either or, he's not going to play. Um, and I think that's a, yep. quite a strong indictment yep. of where he is at the moment. And you know, he didn't play, but he would have learned. He would have trained with um, professionals every yeah. week. Um, playing in the Premier League two, whatever it's called, is is nowhere what it's nowhere near what it's like. Um, you know, training and playing with a professional team. So I'm sure he'll take some positives from it. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting little tangent. There we go. So anyway, we lost. So we, we made our ways back to the bus, um, and yeah, that was that was about it for Milton Keynes away. We got we yep. got home eventually, which was fine. A lot quicker home um, in a van than <laughs> on a bike. So that was that was nice. And uh, yeah, ruminated on overnight. But yeah, my top three, Ollie. We'll move on to the. Can I just make one um, comment about NK Dons? Go on, yeah. yeah so yeah. in recent years, when we played NK Dons, we've often kind of joked, haven't we, and laughed about how. Um, um, Russell kamikaze. Martin used to yeah kamikaze um, passing um, and that's something that we used to kind of laugh a little about about you know there's obviously there's a lot of um, there's a lot of praise in, in modern football about passing the ball out the back and I thought it was really interesting a couple of minutes into the game I think it was actually Lewington had the ball in their left back their left flank kind of area quite deep and he just launched the ball and I was like oh that's different and I thought it was quite noticeable that um, they still play passing football. They had, they did something like 650 passes in this game. Um, and just for context, Lincoln, who he said had a lot of passes in the last game, and he had 550, so an extra 20%. Oh, wow. um, but what they did was, they, they when they played the ball, they played the ball in areas which weren't going to cause them problems. So yes, when they lost the ball, it was normally near the halfway line, where we've obviously battered them in recent years, where they gave the ball away near, near their own penalty area. So I thought it was really interesting to see that they've adapted their tactics they do get the ball out of danger areas, um, but they're a lot more t- good going forward. I'm going to make a bit of a claim here, Glenn. I think that MK Dons are the best team we've seen this season. Hmm. Well, I can't say it was saying about Rotherham or above them. Um, exactly. We've we'll, <laughs> we'll we got Wigan but... to come, yeah. But yeah, I don't know what your view is and Nick's view on that. Like, you no, know, potentially. I, th- I think MK Dons, are, in terms of obviously, we only see each team twice. And we've only seen some teams once so yeah. far, but for me, MK Dons is the best away opposition performance we've seen this year. I think I think they were they were very steady, and and they did have other gears they could have gone through. Um, we didn't take our chances. We could have made it a different game, and then we might have seen them play better if they needed to, possibly. But on another day, if we, if we the ball ran for us a little bit, um, we we could have we could have done a bit better, could have given a better account for ourselves as we have been doing in recent weeks. Um, and like you said earlier, they've been unbeaten for 12. Now, that, that's not luck, is it? That, that is that they're doing some things right. They're building momentum at the right stage of the season. I, th- I think I agree. They're definitely one of the best teams we've seen this season, Ollie. Um, probably not as good as Liverpool, to be honest with you, but maybe just just behind <laughs> them. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I think it's an interesting one because that's we look very at cheeky, Glenn. Actually... You know exactly what I was saying there. But fair play, fair play. I did, I did, I did pull your leg a little bit in the week about being right for a change. So I, I deserve that one. So fair enough. 
Yeah, I think even Liverpool's B team might be slightly better than them. Um, but yeah, I'm only, I'm only joking. I think in the league, yeah, I think that's a really good shout. It'd be interesting to see when we've played every game, um, when we can have another chat about that in the end of season review, Ollie, maybe pick our team that we think were the best at this season, but they'll certainly be up there. Um, one thing I was going to say is it's a really nice kind of um, thought about next season to maybe hang on to in that, you know, Milton Keynes had a plan, didn't they, when they were doing that kamikaze football against us? It was almost like the start of building to what they've got now and they've learned their lessons and they've adapted those tactics and they found a winning combination at this level. And I think maybe, you know, could we say that this season with, um, uh, sort of the end of last season and this season with Cottrell, you, you know, are we, the Milton Keynes of last year, the mistakes we've been making, you know, we're starting to iron them out towards the end of this season. Maybe as we go into next year, we'll have learned so many lessons that we'll have a, a large improvement like Milton Keynes because it certainly can go from, like they were down with us last season, weren't they? And they've certainly t- they completely finished it 16th, so, finished 16th, which I thought was always quite exactly. ironic that um, Russell Martin was kind of being lured as the next pep, but he finished in the bottom half. Yep. But I get your point so completely. We, yeah. We're clearly going to have the same manager who's got the same kind of core of players, um, which is what Milton Keynes did. So, yeah, hopefully they're kind of a, a nice analogy for us next season. That would be lovely. I don't. I think that that's it, if if we can make that happen, that would be a tremendous season, wouldn't it? And why and why not? Why, yeah. why shouldn't we? I mean, as I say, we, we're keeping the majority of the team. We haven't got any starlets that are going back to their premiership teams. We're going to be starting off knowing a lot more about the team, about the squad, about how he likes us to play. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a great place to build from. Um, I, th- I think really we've we've got an interesting summer ahead. The season starts a little earlier, doesn't it, because of the the World Cup and stuff as well. So I think gotcha. I think we've, yeah, I think I think uh, it's going to be a very short break uh, and a and, and a frantic time for for Brian and the guys bringing in the newbies. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, it's a good place to leave it, I suppose, at the end of the game. Like, uh, yeah. before, we'll move on to top, top three. Threes, Ollie, yeah. I was going to smash into that. But yeah, Bennett for me, man of the match. It's it's interesting, we've barely mentioned him, but just uh, last few games he's been really good and kind of, um, I hadn't really picked him. But this game, I, I think I mentioned it to Nick or some of the guys around us. I was like, he's, he's just had one of those really quiet, really good games in the background for me. Um, so um, it just consistently good and was really good in this game. Did his defensive work really well, got forward when he could, but maybe a little bit more defensive-minded than we've seen in recent weeks I just thought he was really good in the game I gave Morosi second place mainly for the, the three saves that we just talked about but particularly that one we were behind it was such a good save um, but overall his general kick in and overall passing out from the box was, was really good I thought didn't really make any mistakes and I went for Flanagan third again the defence played pretty well in this game considering they let in two so could have gone Pennington uh, maybe Ebanks if he hadn't gone off but um, yeah Flanagan, Flanagan third for me um, what did you go for Nick? Uh, for me, I think for my, my standout was the keeper, Morosi. And um, to say that that yeah. save early on was tremendous. And there were a couple in the second half when when we were under a bit of cosh. Uh, and he, he he did well, to be fair. And uh, and we've we've been hard to score against uh, in most recently. You know, we've got this this number of clean sheets that uh, he's, he's heading for Henderson's uh, record, isn't he? So he's, so you know, we, we we must be doing yeah. something well. And, and he must be playing with some confidence. Couldn't do anything about the goals. Uh, they were just sort of, a, you know, one of those things, really. Uh, and, yeah, he, he get, we got my shout. And I asked Zane about who he thought, just to, just to see, really, because, uh, you know, the young man. <laughs> and, and he went for Fauna and Jenna. So, so I don't know really what he liked about Jenna, but Fauna, he really? gets around the park, doesn't he? But he gets, he gets around well. And, and he didn't do anything outstanding yesterday. And, and he, he got kicked a few times and things. But... He'd probably be my second because he is quality and and would with with a decent town team would fit right in against the MKs and your, your good ball playing football teams um, and then Pennington for me as well so you know he's he's another leader at the back 
so he'd be he'd be my third, I think. So yeah, Morosi four and all then Peno. Cool. And Ollie, what did you get watching it on the iPhone? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to let you into a little true secret. Sometimes when I'm struggling a little bit for top threes, I'm sometimes I do look on who scored to see what ratings they had when I was struggling for like <laughs> a third place or something. Um, and I was gobsmacked to see. So basically, when who, who scored does their ratings, and they're the ratings that you know when you see like team of the week and all that stuff are based on. It's obviously just purely analytical stats. You know how many tackles do they win? How many passes do they make? You know what was their accuracy? Did they create chances and stuff? And so MK and over seven is a pretty good score on who scored. It's quite a tough um, kind of matrix. MK Don's had seven players over seven, which I think is the best I've ever seen. She didn't have anyone over a seven, um, and we're all sixes and belows, and um, which just shows you we had a really bad day in the office. Uh, so yeah. my top three were like yeah, my top three were Flanagan, Penning, Pennington, and Nurse. Um, but I think everyone had a, a five or a six. No one really stood mm. out for me. Um, and it was just one of those days playing against a really good side. Um, it wasn't our day. And I reckon if we'd got that 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 goal from Ado, I think maybe our, our ratings would have been much higher. Um, but it was, yeah, a frustrating day for us. But luckily we're in, we're in a, a comfortable position in the league. True enough, true enough. And we actually, I actually listened to Steve on the way home because we uh, got Radio Shropshire on my, my phone, um, listened to it on the way back um, well, as we were waiting for Nick to come back round. Um, oh, no, I think you were back by then, weren't you, Nick? It was, God, actually, that reminds me Radio Shropshire. One... Credit, where credit's due, they got Steve Cross back, which is a bit of a miracle, apparently, Ollie. And um, I think he was up to his usual kind of high standards as a co-commentator. Did you listen to the shop, Radio Shop's commentary? No, I didn't hear that. I was listening to oh, the, okay. the home one. There you go. Yeah, well, anyway, Steve Cross was back on, and everybody, everyone always appreciated the work he did. But um, there was there was a moment where clearly they had no no additional coverage left from Shrewsbury until Steve came out, and there was a lot, there was a lot of Telford chat, which I had to mute for about literally twenty minutes talking about Telford. I know they got their relegation battle, and it was a big day for them. But um, yeah, the balance is not right, and a few of the a few of the guys in the van were saying the same thing when we were talking about it. But then Steve did come out, I think about fifteen minutes too, didn't he? And, and had his interview, and um, from from talking to Nick and, and Ross, who were in the back of the van, they were sort of saying it was one of those interviews where we learnt a little bit Ollie actually and it was it was a quite a decent kind of reflection of the match I thought yeah I thought he was fair and he said we didn't take our chances um it could have been a game one if we'd done that um he was I think it's fair to comment on the referee though it's one of those days you know when you get a lot of yellows um and you something you mentioned on Twitter Glenn we have got a few players with a few yellows now um shows you a game that we were struggling with and I thought Pennington probably summed it up really well um he said you know we didn't show our best qualities today we still had a few chances but we didn't take them they're a good team a good footballing team but it was a tough test and we mm. weren't our best and they punished us which I think is a really good summary of the game um to be, I think to yeah. fair and yeah talking about the yellows Glenn a couple of Leahy and Vela seem to be having their own little duel <laughs> yeah, I think one of them's after we were saying Nick one of them might be after their sort of late season holiday with the yellow cards and uh, who would your money be on getting a suspension for the end of the season Leahy or Vela Nick well, well I mean it could be either one couldn't it I mean Vela loves the yellow <laughs> and, but and, you know as does Lee really yeah it could be either of them and I, th- I think in the in the analysis after the match when I was uh, sitting waiting for my chat on Radio Shropshire uh, Steve Cross was saying that actually it was just, it's a bit of an indication about how frustrated we were getting when we were chasing shadows wanting to be seen to be trying to do something but it was just ending up with fouls really just because they were getting the ball passed around them and, and and we just weren't quite quite up to stopping the ball and the man we were just stopping the man almost so it, the frustration uh, was was the indication of that really but yeah but Bella's an interesting one isn't he as a, as a ex-centre midfielder myself a long time ago uh, <laughs> the, the engine the, the engine room and running around and kicking people it used to be a lot a lot easier to do that without getting the yellows um, you can't really do it so much nowadays can you um, Lee tends to be more of the motivator and, and, and he's, he's what a player what a left foot but 
Yeah, it's a, they're, they're a great pair. If you can clean them up a little bit, then we'll, we'll have them for more of the season. And when it's important, when we've got a good season, maybe next season, if we're at this stage and we're in the sniff of something, you're not going to be wanting yellows hanging around you. And you're not going to want, I mean, we were having silly reds, weren't we, not that long ago either. So you just you just got to be a little bit more careful on that, perhaps. Yeah, well, either they've only got five more games to go. They can they can wait for a break. So hopefully they'll uh, keep on their feet these last couple of games, and no one will be getting reds or a couple more yellows. But there we go. All I think that's uh, that's that's Milton Keynes out of the system. It was a shame we couldn't dent their promotion chances, but um, fingers crossed the wheels fall off them at some point. But it, it's unlikely the way they're playing. Um, but uh, as, uh, while I was out cycling. Um, and uh, with with Nick and, and doing all doing all that business, um, you had a chance to sit down, didn't you, Ollie, um, with Ant Thomas, um, who's been on before in terms of looking at football finances. Obviously, Ant's a, a massive Shrewsbury Town fan. Used to be the editor of the fanzine with me and uh, one of our old away supporters colleagues. Um, and yeah, you had a chance to sit down with him, didn't you, Ollie, and talk about the the accounts that came out this week, which were always a, a kind of big point of the season. But obviously, this was the COVID accounts, wasn't it? So a real signpost as to how we really rode out COVID. Um, and yeah, you, you had a chance to talk to him. How's your nerve, Andy Bishop? Has to score to keep Berry in the tie here. Bishop steps up and it's Hi, Ant. Welcome back on the podcast. Um, so we've got Ant Thomas on uh, to talk about um, the, the the latest final statement um, from the club. How are you doing, Ant? Uh, yeah, good, thanks, Ollie. Disappointed with yesterday's result, but other than that, all good. Yeah, it was a, it was a funny one, wasn't it? It was, um, yeah, not the result that we wanted. We got you on to talk about um, the financial um, results from the club, and um, a lot of the fans will recognise your name and know who you are, and with the, the work you've done with the club and, and the supporters in over the over the last few years, and and, and longer than that, really, to be honest. Um, so maybe just just to give you like maybe you could just do a little introduction for those who may not have heard of you before. Yeah, sure. So so my name's Ant Thomas. I'm a obviously a big Salat fan. Uh, live down in London now, and I'm, and my day job is I'm an accountant. So whenever the club's accounts get released, or or really the accounts of many other football clubs, I'm really interested, and I like to be able to explain in in kind of normal person speak what they show. Exactly. So you're perfectly qualified to do this. Not only you're a Salat fan, um, obviously yeah, you're an accountant as well. Um, you have a big big interest in sports. So yeah, great to have you on. And so the, what we'll do is obviously and for those who haven't seen it. Um, if you do go onto the club website, you'll find that Ant always does a really good summary of, of the accounts, which helps those who don't work in finance understand the accounts. But we're going to kind of do that um, for those and uh, for everyone on the podcast as well. And so thanks for joining us, Ant. And yeah, I guess um, we should probably just maybe just you could just give us an executive summary of, of what the accounts look like. It's uh, obviously a very interesting um, set of accounts, given given what happened. Yeah, that's right. So these these so these accounts, they cover the the year ended 30th of June 2021. Um, so that's the 2020 to 2021 season, which was heavily impacted by by COVID in terms of the club not having many matches where there were supporters in attendance. Um, the club and most clubs in at League One level are really, really reliant on ticket sales for for getting cash in throughout the season. So you can imagine what that meant for the club accounts. They were still paying their players during that time. Uh, they managed to get some support from the furlough scheme. But in terms of income, there was no ticket sales. There was no um, availability to sell food and drink at the club. So, you know, no businesses that could come in and use the facilities Monday to, to Friday. Um, no merchandise sales. No chance of a cup run either because... 
even though the, the games were being played, they were behind closed doors. So you weren't getting, well, the, the club wasn't getting ticket sales from those either. And, and what it meant was that Shrewsbury's revenue was significantly down. The costs were down, but not by as much. And so they made a loss in the year to 30th of June 2021. Um, and that, that's the highlight from a from a trading performance point of view. The, the positive news is that despite that, Shrewsbury still have a, a reasonably healthy cash balance over two million uh, and they don't have any debt either, which is again is, is a positive. So for many businesses during COVID, they'd have debt, they'd have loans that they owe to the bank or, or someone else and they wouldn't be able to repay them. And that would put them in a really precarious position, whereas Shrewsbury are, are still in a, a really steady footing. Brilliant. Cheers, Dant. Um, so you're saying that uh, income income fell. Um, how much did income fall? Yeah, so in respect to the, the income, Ollie, if you look at the previous season, the town's income was almost five and a half million pounds. And this year it was just over three and a half million. So you could see a two million difference there. And when you explore it a little bit more, included in this year's revenue, the town, along with every other club, they, they got an award from the Premier League to help with COVID as well. And that was nearly half a million pounds. So it could have been even lower this year in terms of the, the sales. And that the big reason for the for the decrease in, in sales is the, the lower level of ticketing income in the year. So in, in 2020, Shrewsbury made two million from ticket sales. This year, it was just over half a million. So a big decrease there um, in terms of ticketing sales. The other area that's in the accounts is something called sundry income. And sundry income could relate to anything. It basically means kind of non-core um, income for a business. So for Shrewsbury, it could be the, the, the sales of the hospitality Monday to Friday. And that was down from a million in the prior year to just over 400,000 in the year we're looking at now. And as you can see, that had a huge impact on on the, the club's accounts for the for the season. Yeah, so we're saying that the ticket sales were down massively, obviously all those, those pies and beers as well. Um, and then also, well, obviously one of the big reasons we moved to the to, to the new meadow was that hospitality um, obviously fell away as well. So that was obviously um, difficult for the club as well. And something would be interesting to see what happens in the, the following sets of accounts, um, whether we can actually get that back up. Um, so that was that was that was interesting. Um, you say that um, the club got some money from the Premier League. Um, was that a loan or was that um, like a, a grant? Yeah, it was it was a grant. Um, so every every club in League One and League Two received this, but it it was paid at different levels depending on the size of of the club's wage bill, etc. So it's not it wasn't just a flat grant for every club of four hundred and forty two thousand, which is what Shrewsbury got. Some clubs would have got a lot more. So obviously, one of the the kind of biggest kind of discussion points around this time was the furlough scheme. A lot of people would have been impacted by that. And was the club impacted by it as well? Did the club take advantage of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the club received nearly a million pounds in furlough income. Uh, and, and obviously that's that's a significant amount for a club like us. And has meant that Shrewsbury have been able to offset some of those losses from the reduced income in the year. Um, and also it's, it's a really valuable scheme in terms of providing cash to to businesses as well so that they can they can survive. Cool. And then obviously one of the other areas of income for football clubs is player sales. And we've noted when we've done this section before, and we've had to see some big monies coming in. Um, anything um, of, of note in this set of accounts? So 
not in this set of accounts, but it, it is worth bearing in mind that this is for the year ended 30th of June 2021. So it's it's kind of out of date now, but that, that is the way the accounting yeah. world works. If you think since then we've sold Ollie Norburn to Peterborough, uh, Nathaniel Ogbeta to, to Swansea City, neither of those sales will be reflected in this set of accounts. No. No, so yeah, this set of accounts obviously is last season, wasn't it? When Sam Ricketts started the season and Steve Cottrell came in. Was there any 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 observations on, you know, you often hear about those Chelsea's accounts, for example, you see like a £25 million payoff. Um, does anything like that come up in the in the accounts for, for, for the change of yeah, manager? Not, not that you can see. So that so any severance payments made to staff, including the manager, would be included in the wages and salaries number, but it, yeah. it, there's nothing explicitly given around the cost to to pay off um you know players or managers so so there's a nice link into into wages um so obviously we went into that season didn't we um not um obviously we're aware of covid um but did the club decide to really um, kind of pull back on on wages or was the wage bill fairly similar to previous years yeah it was it was fairly similar i mean it was a, a couple of hundred thousand lower at 4.1 million but in the round, it was it was fairly similar. I mean, for a lot of a lot of the footballers were contracted. And in terms of in terms of those wages, um, um, what what was kind of the size of the wages and, and what's included in those wages? Is it just is it can you clearly see just the players' wages or is there other pl- people in there as well? Yeah. So the overall the overall balance was four point one million for the season. This does include all of the staff within the football club as well. Um, so it's it's impossible to tell exactly how much of that was paid to um, suggest the players, but we can we can have a fair guess that a, you know a significant amount of that would be related to yeah. player, player salaries. And then in terms of um, so obviously you're saying we we obviously had a drop in income. Um, we play, spent similar amount of money um, on player wages. Were other costs like administrative costs, expenses, um, was that similar to to previous years? Yeah, the the admin costs did did move slightly but not not by a significant amount there weren't any unusual items in there from from what i could see so when this all balances out it results in a in a loss um, and quite a significant loss um, for a club of shrewsbury town size considering we have a turnover of roughly normally around five million what was the what was so what was the loss yeah so so on the turnover of 3.6 million it was a loss of 1.5 million so you can see that is that is a significant um loss for the club um, and just important, and I, I do mention this in my report, a loss. So if you lose one and a half million pounds, that doesn't necessarily mean your cash has decreased by one and a half million pounds. And that's because in accounting, you do have some um, accounting entries that don't result in a movement of cash. Um, so that that is quite important to, to bring out here, because when you look at the club's cash position, um, that's decreased by roughly 1 million. The loss is 1.5 million, so that the two aren't exactly the same. So what, what could account for that, that difference? So in, in accounting, we have things called um, depreciation. Yep. And I, I'll try and give you a, a, as basic an example as I can. If you buy a car for um, £3,000, what you do in your accounts is you you assume that it's going to last for a number of years. So so let's say you buy a car for three thousand pounds, you assume it's going to last for three years. What you do is you make a entry into your accounts every year to reflect that it's getting a year closer to to the end of its life. 
so for that car you would you would have a one thousand pounds accounting entry each year to reflect that you've been using the car and it's now worth a little bit less but that hasn't impacted your cash you've not had to pay any money to a garage or anyone it's just an accounting entry so that's why you can end up where your profit or loss is one number and your movement in cash is is another and another reason which is quite important is and this, this is often related to player sales say shrewsbury were to sell a player like ollie norburn and they sold him to peterborough on the last day of the financial year 30th of june they would recognize the the transfer fee to say right we've we've sold a player we've received you know half a million pounds for him or, or whatever the amount would be but actually peterborough probably won't pay us that money until a few months down the line um, and again that that would then see you have a difference between your profit or loss for the year compared to the cash if that makes sense yeah I mean, it does it's one of those um it's one of those things isn't it that often catches fans out because you hear you know i don't know we sold a player we sold a player for two million pounds that that money doesn't go straight into Town's bank account does it yeah that's right that's right and and actually i've, I've worked with a few <clears throat> football clubs down the years and the I remember one Premier League club, um, they signed a striker one year and they paid, I can't remember how much it was for him, they paid three or four million pounds for him. And they'd agreed with a club they were buying him from that they would pay it in instalments over a, a three year period. And a year later, they sold that player for a profit, but they agreed with the, the club they were selling him to that they would receive the cash straight away. So they had this really bizarre situation where they had a club that they owed money to for a player that they no longer held. And this is one of the reasons why football clubs can get themselves into trouble because they do they do deals like that. Um, fortunately, we, we don't see that with Shrewsbury's accounts. But you're right, it does catch fans out because often a transfer will be made, an amount will be agreed, but the actual cash payments won't be made for a period after. And in talking of, of, of debtors, do we owe much money to, to other football clubs at the moment? So if we look at the, the debtors um, breakdown in the in the accounts, it doesn't say specifically if we owe any any football clubs. Um, so sorry, when we talk about debtors, these are football clubs that owe us. So they. Oh, okay, so uh, wrong way around. That's yeah, what I had you one end. <laughs> yeah, there's no the the trade debtors uh, number is not significant this year. So it's it's about a hundred thousand pounds. So it's it, it's hard to to see that there's any significant amounts owed from other football clubs. And and we owed much as well. Can you see that in the accounts? So uh, in terms of money that we owe, um, which is what we call creditors, the the most significant balance there is is a line called payments re- received on account, and this is also a, a slightly odd concept to get sometimes. So this this will probably relate to season ticket sales for the next season. So I'll just explain this briefly. So this this set of accounts we're looking at is for the 2020-2021 season. Whenever uh, we get to the end of a season, Shrewsbury allow fans to to buy season tickets in advance for the next season. Now, say you you give £300 for your season ticket to the football club in May. Shrewsbury can't recognise that as income until the next season. So what you end up with is in your accounts, you have this line, a creditor, 
or or payment received on account and you what you're basically saying is we've received this money upfront from in this case our, our supporters but we can't recognize it yet as income because we've not we've not given them back what they what they get for what they paid for which is attendance to the matches and actually you know you probably as a supporter could change your mind and go back to the club and go well I've not used this season ticket yet I want my money back so that's why this number shown in the accounts it's it's to do with um, Shrewsbury selling the season tickets in advance of the next season um, but not being able to recognise the income until that future season. Thanks for that and um, in, going back to the to the kind of the loss the club made um, you know you hear that the club has lost over, over a million pounds um, is that something that the fans should be worried about? Big loss if you look at the previous losses that that Shrewsbury have made um, in some seasons they've been a, a lot smaller I think the key, the key for me, whenever I'm looking at a set of accounts, is what does that do to the balance sheet? You know, we we talked about the difference between profit and loss in cash. For Shrewsbury, that they made a loss of one and a half million. The cash balance has reduced by a million. Fortunately, they still have a significant amount of cash in the bank. There's just under two and a half million in the in the bank. But you can see it wouldn't take too many more seasons like one we're talking about now to really start to dwindle that balance down um but the, the positive is that it really was a, a truly exceptional year for a lot of bad reasons because of covid um, and i would expect that that loss wouldn't be repeated or certainly not repeated to that level in the current season but it is something to be wary of and, and i'm sure the management at the football club don't want us to make losses like that again going forward yeah, it's something that um, Glenn has been quite keen to, to kind of comment on his, his, with his love of attendance figures. Um, obviously, attendances are, are back to normal levels, which is really encouraging. But as we mentioned, it's not just about the fans and the, the income, isn't it? It's, it's those corporate um, days as well, which bring in a significant amount of money. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see in the next set of accounts whether that has come back up again. But in terms of looking ahead, um, and, to, and sorry, Sorry, before we do that, any any final comments on on this season's accounts and this set of accounts we were talking about here? Yeah, I think I think just leading on from that point around cash, you know, Shrewsbury don't have any debt, and I think that is that is important because it it means that um, what they have in the the bank is theirs. It's their discretion what they use it on. There's no payments to um, to banks to repay debt or to owners or shareholders or related parties and, and that does mean the club are in a, a stronger position than some other clubs and it's it's really important to bring that out that even though they've made this a sizable loss in the year they've not had to take out any debt um, which no so we've got no loans to be paid which means from a from a from a like almost like a dmv report and health and safety kind of check um the, the club the club's in, in okay places at the moment Yes, exactly. Yeah, they've they've certainly got enough cash to to continue operating for the foreseeable future, which is is really positive. And obviously, to help that as well, obviously they could, if they are concerned, couldn't they reduce wages? Which is obviously not something we want to see as fans, uh, but it's something that the club should do. So it's good to hear that the the club accounts, obviously, why this was an exceptional year, is still in in a solid place. And I think it's something the fans are quite proud of, isn't it? And that you know we are we're not a club that um, you know kind of gambles everything um, and, and trying to goes for broke. Um, we are really yeah, a club in those right. regards. I mean, it's, 
it's well the thing that I struggle with with the whole of football finance is that we've just gone through a pandemic we knew that there were lots of clubs that were teetering on the brink and had big issues before that and yet we still find ourselves with the same 92 clubs and, and none of them have become extinct and you, I can see why fans or, or certain fans would say we'd need to chuck more money at, at you know going to promotion or take more risks I totally get that um, my personal view is that um, a football club is more than just a club that's trying to win games it's part of the community and it should be safeguarded and so I am yeah. pleased to see that the, the club remains in a robust financial position even even with the losses this year you know you can see that um but I, I do get the point from some fans that they'd like to see a few more risks taken yeah and you, and you only have to point at like derby county so it could be that we do lose one isn't there there's that risk still hanging over derby county which is a an absolute financial minefield um getting trying to get into those set of accounts just shows you how yeah how you can run a club into the ground yeah absolutely Absolutely. It's going to be an interesting set of accounts for this current season because we've mentioned there's two player sales that that will be included in there. Shrewsbury have had a a decent cup run as well, going back to Anfield. Um, So there'll there'll be some income from from there as well. Um, Yeah, it'd just be really interesting to see the differences year on year. Yeah, and looking ahead, um, would you? I, I imagine this is my kind of layman's terms. I guess I guess we'll probably expect a loss, um, but probably not a significant one. I'd, I'd expect the next set of accounts to be more to be similar to to previous years, but yeah, yeah. COVID wasn't a, a considerate. Brilliant! Thank you for joining us on the podcast, and we really, really appreciate your time. Um, hopefully, for, and the fans and listeners appreciate um, you giving them a bit more insight into the set of accounts. And yeah, really appreciate your time. Pleasure as always, Ollie. Cheers, mate. Thank you. That was fascinating listening to that, Ollie. Um, yeah, really interesting to see how we've, we've ridden out this COVID spell, um, and and good to get kind of that that message out there, I suppose, of, what, of what's gone on from a from an expert like Ant. Um, I suppose before I might say, I don't know, don't know what you made of it, Nick. I think you maybe looked at some of the overview numbers and obviously lost a bit more money from what we were talking about there. But it's nice to see the club have at least kind of come through COVID without having been absolutely decimated, isn't it? It's, it's actually, you know, for, for a long, long time, some people criticised the club and the board for not investing and, oh, Roland's got a new car, we haven't got a striker, all, all of that bobbins. But, you know, times like COVID, times like pandemics, times like, I don't know, relegations, promotions, selling a player and then reinvesting that money in the training ground, all of these things that have been prudent and, and have proven very much well worth doing. Uh, it's times like now that really you can you can actually they deserve a pat on the back for that. Uh, we, we're competitive. We're not throwing silly money at it. You look at the agents and um, spends tables and that sort of thing. We're not going crazy. Uh, I know we joke sometimes it'd be lovely just to you know, almost play a bit of fantasy football and let's see who we can sign and let's go crazy and, and go broke or go to the Premiership. One of those, but th- that's not our way, is it? And um, we're we're really lucky to, with the people yeah. at the helm. We're really lucky to have people like Hans who tend to spend their time and actually explain it in layman's terms. I know he's done it for a number of years, and it's great mm-hmm. that the club encouraged that in the first place. And now, it, now it's a staple part of the delivery of the books because for a lot of people, they, they understandably, it's not their thing, so they wouldn't necessarily understand it. But he does make it so so straightforward, and it's great to see. And when it's and it's really reassuring. We expected a loss, but also we've still got that money in the bank, and and there's there's nothing that gives you more peace of mind. 
and having a club that you can support that you know is going to be here in the future for future generations. That's exactly my thoughts, Ollie. I think similar to what you talked about with Ant is that, you know, I think I was so worried about our finances and, and um, you know, when we started letting all the people go off on furlough and maybe not bringing some of them back that we might just have spent all through our ent- entire war chest that we built up over these years. So to still have, what was it, 2.8 million in the bank, I think you said, um, you know, that's a fairly good place to be to now go into this new new season coming up. And obviously crowds are back to exactly what they were before COVID. So there's been no loss on that. So, you know, there's lots to be positive on the pitch, but I think still things to be positive about off the pitch for sure from the community team to how our finances look to you know some of the youth players coming through so you know you know if we can get through the end of the season and not lose every every game now and dent our confidence a bit I think I'm looking forward to going to the summer and seeing where we can go and, and that that kind of encompasses everything really so probably a good place to leave the finances there um hope everyone enjoyed that update and I suppose Ollie what have we got left now not many games um but what have we got next up Saturday yeah. the 9th of April yeah Ipswich. so just looking ahead a little bit um so we've got um, Ipswich at home on Saturday and then and then we've got Easter weekend with Sunderland away and Shrewsbury Town at home against Doncaster on on the Monday um so, god man I hope we um we've got to beat one of these teams in the bottom four so I'm really hoping we can get something against Doncaster yeah, I, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, none of, none of those are particularly easy games where everyone's scrapping no. stuff, I suppose. Um, Ipswich is so a big test. That is, it, it's a bit, yeah. Didn't have a very good result this weekend, um, but it's yeah something to, to look forward to. Will you be able to make the game on Saturday, Nick? What's your kind of what's your expectation? Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to Saturday. So, so my team won the Shubertown the Community Golf Day uh, last year. So uh, I, I was lucky enough to be playing with three really good golfers because I'm pretty average. And uh, so we won. So and the first prize was a hospitality for four in the Sovereign. So we get to eat. I don't think drinks are thrown in, but we might have to buy our own. But we get to enjoy the hospitality side of it. So, Do you ever uh, spend any time at home, Nick? Or are you always out? <laughs> I'm at home now. The family are all out, but I'm at home. <laughs> Yeah, no, it tells you something. Good, it? <laughs> it does. It, it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah that's a point. Actually, I not thought that. But no, it's, it, yeah, I'm re- I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And, and you know, Ipswich again. That's that's one of my memories from back in the day when we used to play them when they had uh, John Walk and things playing. So that's uh, from from the old ground. So yeah, no, fantastic. Mm. Yeah, bring it on. Can't wait, really. Yeah, it's a busy little period, isn't it? You know, the four games between the 9th and the 23rd of April. Ollie, it's back to. You know, with the Easter period, those two games back to back, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. You know, we only need, you know, we're not going to get relegated. Simply, simply not going to get relegated. But to kind of finish further up the table, we need to pick up maybe four to six points from these four games I would yeah. be looking for. Um, so getting one against Ipswich early doors and having Doncaster maybe as a backup winning those two home games, I'd be more than happy with that. The biggest uh, hopeful bit of news to come out of uh, going to Milton Keynes other than having raised some money for charity was I uh, bumped into one of my friends, Gareth Hopkins and his, his little lad. Um, and uh, I, I think I've semi-convinced them to come in the car with me to Sunderland. Um, and obviously <laughs> with petrol prices, it's no harm in trying to split those costs, is it? So Gareth, if you're listening, you better confirm that this week or I'll be furious. Um, but uh, in fact, he could, he could confirm it with me next weekend because I'm missing the Ipswich game, Ollie. Um, so you're gonna have to get a guess for that because I'm away in Cork on a stag party. I think you said Cork. You about? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's gone that wrong. Um, no, I'm, I haven't even told you about this yet. I've told no, you haven't. This is new week. news. No. It's great breaking news on the South Coast. Yeah, I'm going to Cork next weekend for a stag party, so <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to run, run it yeah. on your own next week, and I'll, I'll be Maybe back. Maybe I'll just do I'm a podcast all on my own. No, I won't do that. But, um... <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to find a guest, but yeah. I, I don't invite myself. I would join you, but as I said, I'll, I'll I don't do, yeah, think you'll be watching the game, Nick. I think you'll be just being the sovereign suite, drinking um, beer or, or half. But um, I appreciate the appreciate the thought. Um, and just a question to you, Glenn. Um, you, you know me. I love you know, 
me and you, I don't know, I think it's a human thing, isn't it? You get, like, you always look forward to Christmas more than actually, like, Christmas Day. And I'm always looking forward to, like, mm. what the future could bring. So is it maybe after the Easter weekend we can start thinking about which players we should sign and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I think, yeah, we'll get the, we'll get the, we'll get the double game week out on them probably, I don't know when we'll record that podcast about weekend um, of that one. But yeah, after that, um, we can start thinking then about um, which players we sign, who's out of contract and all that kind of stuff. So we'll start putting stuff out on social media when we get to that period. Yeah, no, we'll definitely seek some some thoughts from fans, won't we, as we go through that. And uh, as usual, really appreciate everyone's comments. And I suppose... I suppose that we really appreciate guests, new guests. Anyone's welcome to come on if I if I manage to round you up to it, um, which is what I did with Nick. And I think I lined up a few more guests from the weekend, Ollie, of people that I kind of met that I didn't really know too well before. So we should should be good to get some more new voices on um, towards the end of the season, if not next season. But yeah, Nick, great to have you on for the first time. I'm sure it won't be the last, hopefully. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed your, your first podcast experience on the Saladcast. Thanks very much, Glenn. Thanks, Ollie. Yeah, no, it was great. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, enjoyable to chat. Always enjoyable to chat about football. Uh, and shame, shame the game wasn't something we'd be celebrating for long into the night. Uh, but it was okay, isn't it? it? It's an away day. It was a special way of getting there. Something that you and I will never forget. Uh, yeah, and, true. As you say, raise good money. Over seven and a half thousand now for the Shubertown community. So, yeah, fantastic. And, uh, and and there will be more events coming soon. And Millie, who mm. organises these things, uh, she's got a little uh, a roster of things going on. Uh, and the In the Stiffs Live. Have you seen that one? Oh yeah, yeah. I've got tickets for that. I don't know if you're planning on coming over for that, Ollie, for the the In the Stiffs podcast. They're doing a live show in Shrewsbury. I think it's on a Thursday night, isn't it, Nick? But me and a bunch of my mates got a load of tickets to that pretty much straight away because I think it'll be a good good crack. And there's rumours of a special guest, which I think a lot of people are hoping is Gary Peters, Ollie, um, which would be fascinating. I'm not sure whether that'll actually manifest. But um, yeah, I'll, if you're not going, I'll, I'll cover that. Maybe bring some. No, I won't to be podcast. going. But it is a good podcast, to be fair. Um, it's yep. it's obviously completely different to the Salad Cast. But yeah, I really enjoy listening to those. That they're those guys, what they're doing there, being Whitfield supporting. I think it's a great podcast, and the Joe yep. one is is fantastic. And I, you know, it's really interesting just on that podcast. So I listened to the first ones of the Joe. I'm kind of I've just listened to a little bit of the second episode. I didn't realise that Joe Hart was so passionate about Shrewsbury, um, and that's great yep. to hear. But it is a really interesting yep. podcast, and it's one of the thing I like about the podcast so much is it's just gives you that insight to footballers. Um, you know that thing about like don't there's no point booing players at half time and all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of insight you don't normally mm-hmm. hear. So yeah, I think what they're doing is great. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, sure. and some of the some of the stories from when you know over the years and things. But as you say, they're just they're, they're normal guys like you and I, but they've got a, a talent. They've got a skill. The Joe interview I've really enjoyed, and the, the, the Shrewsbury version. Now the uh, the sort of national and international version has gone like they've also been picked up all over the world isn't it you know, they're, they're, they're forwarding and tagging yeah, it's and big. all sorts of outlets because it's really good content it's really interesting yeah it is good content uh, yeah and controversial but straight you know he's honest he's an honest guy so when when we played uh, West Ham when they came here we bumped into him on, in, the, in the foyer in reception there and he stopped doing a quick selfie me and me and my sons and uh, he was like yeah great and I was trying to get us all in the picture and he did you see and he took the camera off me because he got a much longer arm than I had and, and he took a fantastic picture of the, the, the four of us and it's great you know, and the, the kids will never remember that he's got, he's got so much time for everybody but you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's a legend I was watching him play in the game earlier the Celtic at Ibrox and there, and there was um, broken glass that was thrown in the, in the in the mm. penalty area just before half time or just just as they were coming out for the second half. But you know, that's not that's not football fans, is it? That's just lunatics really. But he's oh. absolutely thriving in that atmosphere. What a guy. I mean he's a shoes be lad. 
great to see. Yeah, he is huge lad. Yeah, that's why we wouldn't doubt his passion. And I think one, of, if you remember back to when we played West Ham at home, um, we're going off on our tangents here, Ollie. But when we played West Ham, I remember yeah, when we scored that goal down in the corner, and uh, he was in the he, he was in the box, wasn't he? Where the commentators were sort of giving it big to yeah. Dave Edwards, who's obviously his mate, and now it's come you know, not come full circle with the podcast. But it's just great that they're still such good friends, I think. And um, yeah, all the best to Joe still. I, I think Salzburg are probably going to win the league now, and it'll be another title he's got. So I bet he'll be chuffed about that. But um, there we go. We'll leave our in the stiffs chat until we've been to it, and I'll, I'll feedback a bit of that to you, Ollie, um, when we get to that live event. I think it's in May. We'll, we'll maybe pick some of that up as we get into the season next year. But there we go. Busy podcast. Lots to talk about. Finances, bikes, and a loss. But um, all in all, been a great one. And uh, yeah, Nick's been on. That's ace. And yeah, Ollie, you'll be back next week in some form, um, and I'll be getting drunk in Cork. So enjoy your week, guys, and I'll catch you in two. And Ollie, you'll be back next week. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks for listening.